Oh, talk about a stomach ache to go. You said or done something wrong, and now you've got a friend who's upset with you. It was totally an accident, but the outcome was the same as if you had done it on purpose. You're feeling really bad about it, or at least you were at first. And then you started analyzing the situation. Was it really all your fault, or is the friend just being thin-skinned? Come to think of it, hasn't he or she said a thing or two in the past that didn't set right with you, but you let it go? Where is the grace for you that you showed to them? Now, the more you replay these unhelpful thoughts, the less inclined you are to apologize. Digging your heels in and developing a bad attitude won't fix the situation. It will just delay the repairs. Thank you for joining Keep the Heart for today's podcast with Francie Taylor. Francie is an author, teacher, and conference speaker. Sharing lessons from the Word of God is her passion. Now, back to today's important study. When we're wrong, apologizing may not be easy, but it's right. Listen to this quote about the subject. The first to apologize is the bravest. The first to forgive is the strongest. The first to forget is the happiest. It's a very popular quote, but the author, the original author, is unknown. What we do know is this. There's a lot of truth to these statements. It does take courage to admit when we're wrong, and it takes strength to forgive when others have wronged us. And absolutely, yes, the art of learning how to pass over a transgression is a biblical process. And when we're biblical, we are blessed. Apologizing when we've done or said something that was wrong requires spiritual maturity and humility. In other words, we're going to need some spiritual grown-ups in the room. This episode will focus on what we can do to make things right when we've been the offender. Let's talk about it. Are you ready for four suggestions? First, keep the apology simple. Why is this? Because it minimizes the chance of us talking ourselves into deeper trouble. Proverbs 21.23 says this, Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. When someone is already upset with us, this is not the time to give a backhanded apology that sounds like you're trying to say, sorry, but it was more you than me. No, that won't work. Try seven words instead. How about this? I was wrong. Will you forgive me? Now that's fewer words on purpose. And there's been many times I've had to employ those statements over the years. It avoids the dreaded loop of apologizing while blaming, while apologizing while blaming. That gets us nowhere. Since we already know that Proverbs 10:19 says, In the multitude of words there wanteth not sin, but he that refraineth his lips is wise, we need to make it a goal to use as few words as possible when we're apologizing. So keep the apology simple. Secondly, consider giving a gift in secret. Listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs 21:14: A gift in secret pacifieth anger, and a reward in the bosom strong wrath. Now, the purpose of the gift in secret is to calm the anger, not to bribe the offended person. Be prayerful and thoughtful about employing this biblical policy. This is sort of like gift wrapping your apology. It is not a payoff. 
Keep this private between you and the offended person because that's another part of the principle in this verse. Don't announce what a great thing you did to mend the fence between you and your friend. Others don't need to know. A gift in secret is supposed to be private. And this allows the relationship to mend on its own time without a lot of people knowing about it. What kind of things make a good gift in secret? Try to think of something simple that the person likes and slip that into a gift bag and deliver it discreetly. Maybe it'd be a pound of their favorite coffee beans or a gift card to their favorite store with $25 on the card or something simple like that. The main point is that the gift in secret is an option for pacifying anger. So you pray about it before moving forward. Number three out of four, be patient, not prideful when waiting for your apology to be accepted. We are so used to having things instantly that it has made us impatient with allowing any process to take time. Well, we can't rush an apology, and we sure can't rush the response to it. The apology is up to us. The response to the apology is up to the receiver. And if they're slow to forgive, you won't move them along any faster by becoming impatient or testy with them. Ecclesiastes 7.8 puts it like this, Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof, and the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. I love this quote from Bible commentator Matthew Henry in relationship to this passage. He said this, Where there is humility, there will be patience. Now there's something to think about. We have to remember that not everyone forgives immediately. A lot of it will depend on what has gone on in their personal life, their background, their upbringing. And we can't demand that they forgive us right now while we're apologizing. Our part is to apologize sincerely and then wait humbly for the response. Our goal is not speed, it's reconciliation. And if that's not possible, if the person doesn't want to reconcile, they'd prefer to hold a grudge, you've done your part. We still want to do what's right in honor of God. Don't allow your spirit to drift into a petty state of pride. We can't demand forgiveness, but we can grant it freely when it's our turn to be the one who's been offended. Remember that now. It's always wise to focus on the behavior for which we will give an account one day, and that's our own behavior, not someone else's. And finally, number four, keep your conscience clear with God and others. Acts twenty four sixteen says this, And herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. Now, the context in which this statement was made was when Paul was defending himself and his case before Felix, since he had false accusers that had laid down several charges against him. It's notable that when you look at that passage in Acts 24, the Bible describes Paul's defense of his case as very calm and factual. He wasn't raging or foaming. He was just stating his case. And he made a statement about having a conscience void of offense. In other words, it was important to Paul to walk uprightly in a situation even when others were not. That should be important to us as well. Does it bother you when you've offended someone, even if it was accidental? Or do you feel like people just need to toughen up and stop being so sensitive? It may be true that some people take offense more quickly than others. But there is nothing wrong and everything noble and right about aiming to have a conscience void of offense toward God and toward man. 
In other words, we want to do our best not to be the cause of offenses. But if we are, we will be quick to apologize because we want to keep our conscience clear. And that eliminates the possibility of others saying that we've been uncaring or insensitive. You don't want to develop a reputation where people say that you're just hard to get along with and you don't care about others. Is there someone you've crossed, but instead of apologizing, you've just been avoiding them? Or are you wrestling with rationalizations about who should apologize first? You be the first to apologize. Peace of mind and a clear conscience are too valuable to sacrifice on the altar of pride. You've been listening to Francie Taylor. For more from Francie, visit KeepTheHeart.com for devotionals, books, and the popular Bible study series, I See You, In Christ Unconditionally. I See You is flexible by design and encourages users to develop the habit of daily Bible study. Visit KeepTheHeart.com today. Thank you for listening.